0: Tonight is about two words, two words that have impacted millions ever since they were first uttered almost 2000 years ago. This church is here because of two words. Our nation was founded on biblical godly principles based upon two words. Wenzhou, China, controlled by communist leaders for many, 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 many years. Today, there are crosses adorned on apartment roofs all across this city. In 1949, only 1 million Christians were in the entire country of China. But because of two words, it's estimated by by 2030, there will be 250 million Christians in China. The surge project, it's actually close to home because it was started by Pastor Larry Stocksdale of Bethany in Baton Rouge back in 2000. That organization, and we are a part of it, we support it. They have planted, in since 2000, over 22,000 churches across the globe. And on a weekly basis, there's 1.1 million people in attendance at these churches. Amen? In 1900, there were approximately 10 million Christians in Africa. By 2000, there were 360 million, and by 2025 there will be 633 million Christians in Africa.
1: Two words uttered by Jesus himself.
0: And it's found in Matthew chapter 9 in verse 9, and it says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he, that is Jesus, said to him, follow me. Now I want you to picture Matthew sitting at a table somewhat similar to this with a chair and you've got all the tax stuff going on. And I'm not going to get into details about how horrible that was for him as a Jew to be collecting taxes from his own people and keeping a little sum of it for himself. But Jesus one day walks up to him out of the clear blue and says, follow me. Before we see Matthew's response, I purposely didn't put it up there for you. You have to understand that he was faced with a huge decision. How many have ever had major decisions? Let me see your hands. Come on. Big decisions to make. They can be very brutal. They can be very tough. Do we go this way? Do we go that way? In fact, a lot of people make a quick decision and not even give it much thought. Prime example. Several years ago, I wasn't on staff very long, but I received a phone call from a gentleman. He said, Rob, he says, I'm going to get married. I'd like to get married to this lady that I met on the internet. She lives several hours away. We've only known each other for just a couple of months. We would like to get married. Okay. They come to see me for the premarital counseling. We met probably three or four times. And literally, in the, in the very last session, we we're about to close it up and we're talking about the wedding and, and the wedding party and how it's going to go and the music and, and all of that. And they were so excited because they were in love. And somewhere towards the end of the very last session, literally we had like maybe five minutes to go. So I, I, I told the, the lady, I said, correct me if I'm wrong, you have two grown boys who are in high school who are playing sports, who have girlfriends and who have a lot of friends, and you're going to literally uproot them and bring them here to Lafayette. Well, apparently, she had never thought about that. Because all of a sudden, her face just went. And I was like, what's wrong? And she was like. I didn't give that much thought. And she started tearing up and she says, I can't do this. And I'm going, this man is going to kill me. You see they made a very quick decision without even thinking. And so if I were living back in Matthew's time, I would have probably said something like, Matthew, look, dude, I know you're about to make the biggest decision of your life. Let's say Jesus is here and Matthew's here. Hey, look, man, I need to talk to you. Do you really realize what you're about to give up and go through? He's asking you to follow him. He's going to demand utter loyalty and complete obedience. Nothing else, nothing more. He doesn't want you to make your normal, selfish, sinful life a little better. He wants to transform it. Matthew, there's going to be a battle within your mind that will pit your selfish desires against honoring Him. Dude, you need to realize that you're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be spit upon. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be mocked. Matthew, do you realize that you're going to have to pay a high price? Are you listening to him? He said he wants you to follow him. Your emotions will get offended by him. He will confront your selfishness, your arrogance and self-pity. He will expose your bad habits. He will want you to lie down on his ironing board so he can wrinkle out all the issues. Matthew, the highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide, but the gateway to this new life he wants you to follow is very narrow and it's going to be very difficult. Do you really understand? Before you answer, you need to consider. This new life will take you places that you never intended to go. He wants to destroy your flesh and insult your sinful nature. He's not asking for a a once-a-week trip to church. He's asking for a daily commitment. Are you ready for this kind of commitment? You will not hear feel-good, watered-down messages. His teachings will cut you into your heart. He will challenge you to give Him all-out allegiance. The cross of Calvary will not be a soft pillow. Matthew, He wants you to be a complete package. What does that mean? If you only have His Word, you'll dry up. If you only have His Spirit, you'll blow up. But if you have both of them, you're going to grow up. Did I mention you're going to be hated and you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be spit upon? Dude, don't make a quick decision.
1: Think about it.
0: You'll be the butt of many snickers and jokes. If you say yes, Satan is going to whine and dine you and dangle your past in front of you every day. You will be tested and pruned. You will be taught about sacrifice. Following him will require great cost. Did you hear that, Matthew? Are you ready to pay that price? You will have to honor him above your kids and spouse. Did I mention he's going to ask you to die to yourself? If you want to truly follow him, you can't desire a decaf, locale, light version of discipleship. While some will applaud your commitment to him, the majority will say, oh, you found Jesus. How stupid is that? You will no longer own your own life. The thing that is the Isaac in your life, he's going to ask you to let it go. You will not be able to excuse your destructive habits any longer. He wants you to love the unlovable. He wants you to extend mercy to those who wronged you. Following him isn't hard, Matthew. It's impossible. You will need the power of the Holy Spirit. His invitation is warm and wide, but his demands are sharp and high. He is expecting long obedience in the same direction as him. If you aren't willing to pay the
1: price, you cannot be his disciple. So, Matthew, let me ask you again. Are you considering what I just told you? No don't don't give an answer now because I know how you are.
0: The rest of the verse shows this. So he
1: arose and followed him. Two words. There wasn't um Hey, what's up,
0: dude? Um, What's happening in life? Man, did you hear about the OKC Thunder who, who literally tanked in game seven on Monday night?
1: He just said, follow me. So Matthew gives up everything and literally walks out.
0: Do you think maybe he was fed up with his job? Could be. Maybe he needed a career change. I do not know. But with absolute no hesitation or delay, he got up. And so tonight, I want you to sit in that chair and picture Jesus walking up to you. Not asking, will you follow me? But a direct command. Follow me. So what will you do? Well, let me just let you know that with with many Christians, they have great intentions. They walk down the aisle, they give their life to the Lord. But it, it just seems like they have great intentions, but they don't understand the high cost it is to follow him. Oh, they love him to pieces. They raise their hands. They say, Amen, Brother Todd. And if you were here Sunday at the first service, when he said stand up, there were several people that stood up and he wasn't even asking them to stand up at the end of service. How many of you were here for that? Wasn't that awesome and funny at the same time? Oh, they will come to service. They will attend Bible group or Bible study. But many are not willing. Why? I wonder why. Could it be that maybe they are afraid? Maybe they're not willing to walk that narrow gate. Maybe they're willing not to pay the price. Maybe, maybe, maybe wrong doctrine has intruded into their life. Does our culture influence people away to not follow? Maybe our spouse has influenced. Maybe some folks just don't know what following Jesus means. Well, I want to give you tonight um, a real brief summary, and then we're going to actually get to the meat of the service. But there are three gentlemen who really didn't know what following Jesus was, and we're going to go through it very quickly. The first guy, it says in Luke nine fifty-seven. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Isn't that great news? Jesus had to be ecstatic that somebody out of the clear blue, he didn't even go to them; They went to him and said, I'll go with you
1: wherever you go. Doesn't that sound good?
0: But look what Jesus says. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head.
1: Jesus, could you be a little bit more encouraging? Hmm.
0: He didn't say, well, you know what? That's, that's great news. That is wonderful. I'm close, so glad that you're on board with me. No, what was happening is this first guy was trying to make God or Jesus to be his comfortable God. But Jesus, in his eloquent way, basically says, look, I'm not some nice middle-class American Jesus that says okay to materialism and a little bit of devotion. I'm not someone who brings prosperity to your Americanized dreams of always wanting a, or needing a boat and an iPad. Listen, following Jesus is going to be uncomfortable. The second guy in Luke, in, in uh, verse 59, then he said to another, and this is Jesus talking, he says, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I have a question. If this guy's father had just passed away, I don't think he would be talking with Jesus right now. I think he would be making the arrangements, don't you think? And I don't think the guy was really sick after all because he would have asked Jesus to heal his dad. It's obvious that this man, it was, it was just a, a, a particle of speech. It wasn't for real. He wasn't physically dead. But what this guy was saying was, I need a convenient Jesus in my life. Let me go go tend to my father's responsibilities, and then I'll follow you. So Jesus responds, again, Jesus, where's the compassion, dude? Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus challenged him to line up his spiritual priorities. The guy was like, no, no, no. I really got to go tend to this. You see, my schedule is more important than you. I've got to do these tasks tomorrow. I've got to go to Lowe's first and I've got to go here and then I've got to meet here and then I go here. i got a meeting at 3 o'clock, you know. Maybe I'll get to you at some point tomorrow. And the third guy in verse 61, and another also said, Lord, here we go again. I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Notice he says, but let me go. He was bargaining. Jesus is not a deal maker. Jesus, amen. As if Jesus would say, yeah, okay, let's make a deal. You go do that, and I'll do my thing, and then maybe we'll get together. What does Jesus tell him in verse 62? No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you know when you, if, you're, if you've ever plowed a field or if you've ever seen a field, most of the time there are straight rows? But if you were plowing a field and you actually turned your back, what would happen? It'd be one of these. You think it would be a little difficult to harvest the field? (laughs) I think so. What Jesus was saying is to follow me, to truly follow me, you need to keep your eyes on me. And that's exactly what Matthew did. So again, I say you're sitting in the chair. Do you follow like Matthew or do you follow like these three guys? Jesus is very serious about us following him. Again, it wasn't a question. Will you follow me? It was a command. And here's the good news, folks. It's not just for the disciples. It is for us. He doesn't want us to get comfortable. He doesn't want us to live in a convenient world and have excuses distract us all over the place. But honestly, the majority of Christians are, are they're Bible believing Christians, but they really don't know what it means to follow Jesus. They don't know how, they don't know who, they don't know why, they, they just they, they can't put all the pieces together. Now, you may be hearing and just seen and read what Jesus said to these guys and go, man, Jesus is very demanding. Yes, he is. Man, he's kind of. little tough on those guys. Yes, he is. You may say, what right does he have talking to those guys in that kind of language? Well, let me tell you, dear friend, that Jesus is the king of the Jews who laid down his life for you and for me. In fact, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Did you know that he endured the cross for you and me? And while he was hanging on the cross in so much pain that they, the Bible says that they offered him gall, G-A-L-L. And you know what it is? It was a narcotic to numb the pain. And while he stretched out on the cross with the nails in his hand and feet, they offered him the gall to say, here, take this. It'll, it'll take the edge off. He said, no for he endured your pain
1: on that day
0: and is still enduring the pain for you each and every day he is the creator of the universe the head of the church he's the king of the kings lord of lords he is the alpha and omega the first and the last he holds the keys of death and hades he's the conqueror and the overcomer he is the lamb of god the risen from the dead he is the brighting morning star his name is higher than any other
1: name he said no i do not want the gall Because he loves you enough to take your pain so that you do not have to continue life as is. Do you hear him calling you tonight to say, follow me? It's interesting that the very first words that Matthew heard from him or follow me. That's it. That was the entire conversation. Some would think that that would be very awkward and
0: strange. Not to Matthew. He got up. He probably flipped the table over in the chair and said, where are we going, Jesus? I'm on your side. So you can choose tonight to continue business as usual with Jesus or you can make a decision to go all in. And tonight I want to share with you what follow me looks like. I want you to see what it looks like on a daily basis, whether you've been saved for many, many years or whether maybe you've recently been saved. There are three practical things that you can do every single day that says I am following you.
1: Number one, it's very simple. Start your day by seeking Him. That seems so Christianese. Seek Him, don't you think? We
0: hear it all the time. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And in our mind, it's, okay, I'm going to sit down this morning and I'm going to hear an audible voice. Let me tell you, I've never heard an audible voice. But what I have heard is by maybe reading his word, I've gotten a spiritual nugget. And to understand what's seeking him, you've got to understand the, some characteristics of God. Number one, in Psalm 119, it says, you are good and do good. This is about God. David says, you are good. We serve a good God, folks. Amen? He's a good God and he doesn't hold anything back. He's not looking for the Navy SEALs or a a select group of people.
1: He's good to all people. And you know what?
0: God designed you and detailed you like He wanted. Did you know that your hair color is God? Your hair or lack of it, is God. Your height is God. He knitly formed you like He wanted. Every detail, your your eye color, your one toe that kind of bends kind of weird, that's God.
1: Your birth was no fluke or accident. Your parents,
0: let me tell you, they may have not wanted, but God wanted you from the very beginning. In Psalm 139, David said, you know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. God does not make junk, and you were not an accident. He knew the two people that that conceived you. They may have had issues, right? He knew that the two people that that conceived you. He knew that that spiritual or that, that excuse me that that genetic DNA was the right one for you. Psalm eighty six says this: "For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy to all." So we realize that God is good. His mercy is available to all. And notice that word all. It's inclusive. It's not exclusive. Many people have said, and I've heard them say it, that Christianity is exclusive. It's only for the elite or the, the people that have a Bible that have a highlighter marker all over the place. And they've got words on this page, and then you flip the page and it just keeps going on. And the, the, the Bible cover is about to fall off. no. Christianity is all about them, right? Christianity is not an exclusive men's club for people who are 60 and older, who got a pot belly and no hair up top, who meet in in the basement of a building. Christianity is the most inclusive, I'm going to call it religion just for lack of a better word, On the entire planet. He says his mercy is available to all. So what we've learned thus far is God is good. He created you to have a wonderful fellowship with him. He's not exclusive. Why wouldn't you want to seek after him? But the greatest news is this. It's found in 1 Samuel 2, 27. It says this. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord. Did I not clearly reveal... This is God speaking. Did I not clearly reveal myself? God reveals Himself to all people. Amen? He's not on some undercover mission to to find only the people
1: that have a highlighted Bible. Seeking Him has to become the first part of our day.
0: Whatever you seek first in your day is what's important to you, right? And I'm just going to be very bold right here that Facebook cannot be the first part of your day. Pastor Kelly got real quiet right there finding out what Instagram is all about and and getting whatever that is and, and all of that is not, is not, is not the best way to be spending the first part of your day. Because it tells God who's more important in your life. Instead of following someone on Instagram, how about we follow Jesus? Instead of liking that comment on
1: Facebook, Why don't we like his book?
0: Some find it very hard to seek God, and I truly get that, and I understand that. But let me just give you some practical things here, and I love this verse. It says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God is not going anywhere. And let me just say this. In fact, <clears throat> if, you have a, if you have a phone on you, would you just hold it up in the
1: air? Everybody, hold up your phone. Your
0: phone cannot teach you how to love people. Your phone cannot tell you how to love your spouse. Your phone cannot tell you what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But God's word will tell you that. The Bible wasn't written to satisfy our curiosity, but to help us to conform to Christ's image. Now, over the years, I've heard these comments. I can't understand my Bible. It's too hard. There's these and thou's and, 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 and it's only for the elite group. And, and, and it was written just to, for the Bible scholars to understand. And the best comment that I've ever heard can be best illustrated this way. True story. Several years ago, there were about seven or eight of us men. We were in a, a men's group and we went down to pecan Island and we went fishing. We spent the night at a camp. We got up the next morning and we had a breakfast. Enough of that. But anyway, we get up and we go and we get out into the Gulf, maybe about a mile or so, maybe not even a mile, about a half mile off the coast. And I'm driving one boat and and look, I, I love to fish. And so I'm driving the boat, I'm in the back of the boat, I've got a gentleman in the middle of us, you, you may have remembered this, some of you remember Benton Tarot. I don't know if you remember Benton, but anyway, Benton, at the time, was like 64 years old, he went to be with the Lord, but he's in the middle of the boat, and I've got another guy in the front, and so I tell the guy in the front, hey man, we're at the fishing spot, drop the anchor, I turned around and I started fishing. Because that's what we were there to do, you know. First line in might be the first fish in. I'm casting. I'm having me a good time. I got me a big old shrimp on the, my hook. I've got me a cork, man. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. No no fish. I reel it back in, put another shrimp on. I'm fishing. You know what I'm talking about? I'm fishing. And the Lord prompted me, because I've got my back to the other guys. Rob. You need to turn around, and when I turned around, I see Benton Taro, a little frail, sixty-four-year-old man, sitting in the bottom of the boat with a fishing pole in his hand. And I said, "Benton, you're not going to fish. You're not going to throw the, the 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 cast the bait." He says,
1: "I don't know how."
0: when I say conviction came upon me and I thought, how could a man live 64 years and not know
1: how to cast a bait? And I said, Benton, you mean your dad never? He says, my dad never showed me how.
0: I quickly put down my rod and reel. And for the rest of the day, it was all about Benton. And I remember praying silently, Lord, just let him catch one. That's all. At least one. And we caught maybe a dozen fish or so.
1: And I was like, man, he hadn't caught one. I said, guys, look. Let's give it five minutes.
0: We're literally about to pull up the anchor. And he caught his first fish in his life at 64. But the point of the story is this. He says, I don't know how. And that's what a lot of Christians, in fact, it just happened uh, recently. It was either last Wednesday or Sunday. Somebody had come up and said, I I don't know how to read my Bible. And let me tell you, it is within every fiber of my body. It is a passion for me to show people. Because most people are intimidated by it. It's too thick. I don't understand it. let me tell you this, the aim of the Bible is that you may grow and you will grow. We want a word from God, but we don't want the word of God. And so let me give you some helpful hints. Just maybe read one chapter a day. Find a version that fits you, that you can understand. Do what I did. I went to the Christian bookstore many, 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 many years ago. And I just sat there probably for a good hour or two and I finally got comfortable with a version because I was having trouble in another version. And, you know, you just don't know. And I didn't know they had, you know, 12, 15 different versions out there. And lo and behold, I got a little bit more more comfortable with it. And let me give you another, uh, another hint as far as reading the Bible. Don't rely on other books to be the only source of Jesus that you get in the morning or for your day. Amen? Don't rely on a devotion that somebody else wrote, although they're good. Don't rely on a Joyce Meyer program to be your only source of Jesus. Let me tell you how I read the Bible. It's called the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. You can Google it, not now, put your phone down. All you do is Google soap method to read the Bible, and it will tell you how to do it. It's so cool. I've got about one minute to tell you. S-O-A-P. What you do is, this is a challenge for all of us tonight. Pick a a book of the Bible, uh, maybe Philippians. There's only four chapters. You go into chapter one, and you say, Lord, show me one scripture that's going to pop off the page. Lord, give me one nugget today. One nugget. Where is it, Lord? Where is it? Show me. And so you start reading and when you find that one scripture that pops off the page, maybe it's a word in your journal, you put S on the left margin and you physically write that scripture down. The O is the observation, what you observed. The A is the application, how it can be applied to you. And you only write maybe two sentences at most. And the P is the prayer, you turn it into a prayer. Let me give you. I got to do this. I got to do this, guys. Are, are y'all? Is it okay for me to do this to get off track? But let me give you a great example. I'm reading in the book of John one day, but John chapter nine, I believe, or chapter eight, and I'm reading about the the, the men who are about to stone the lady. Because of an adulterous affair. Jesus comes on the scene. He writes, and I know I'm fast. It's okay. Pastor Brandon is out. I can speak fast too. Anyway, he writes on the ground. He writes on the ground. We don't know what it, what it says, right? All we know is he wrote something on the ground. He stands up and he says, if anybody is here without sin, let him throw the first stone. They all dropped their stones. They walked away. And then scripture says, Jesus was left there standing with the woman. That was my, oh my gosh. So I wrote that scripture down. The O is the observation. And this is what I wrote in my journal. What I observed was is that Jesus didn't leave that lady by herself. He went the distance for her. The A is the application. I physically wrote this. I said, I've got to go the distance for my family. See how it works? The P is the prayer. Lord, give me more strength to go the distance for my family. And then you title it. And you know what I titled it? There is a TV sitcom, I don't watch it, but there's a TV sitcom that has this name, they stole it from me, Last Man Standing. About three or four weeks later, I had to preach on a Wednesday night, guess what I preached on? Last Man Standing. I didn't get my message out of a book, I didn't walk, get it out of, on- online, I didn't get it out of any place else, I got it out of God's word. That's how you use the soap method. Enough of that. I can get on a soapbox, but I won't. But I love, if you want more information on it, just Google soap method. Again, just, just pick a, a book of the Bible and go for it. If you go for it, come meet me Sunday morning or next Wednesday. I want to know how you did, okay? Everybody good? Everybody loves Rob? I'm your friend. Okay, very quickly. Jeremiah 29 11 14 says this for I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. We've heard that right? We've heard it a million times, but the rest of it is really cool. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me. Here we go. Seek. Remember, seek him the first part of your day. And find me when you search for me with all your heart and look what it says. This is God speaking. He says, I will be found by you. Let me tell you, you get in that quiet place all alone. No husband or kids. No cat or dog. How many of you have seen War Room? Best movie ever. Lock yourself in a closet. If the kids knock on your door, say, go away. If your husband knocks on the door, say, cook it yourself. You get alone with God and you bring your word of God in there and let it get deep down inside of you. Not Facebook or your phone. Leave it out of the room. I'm telling you, it is a magnet to get us off track iPhones are great. They will get you out of trouble. If you want to know the weather, you will know the weather. But when it comes to the Word of God, there is no substitute for His Word on the page. Amen? Start your day off first with Him. And all these things will be added. Let me me give you another example. Let's say we're all violinists. We all have a violin. When do you tune your violin? Before the concert or after? before why wait until the day is over to seek God come on anybody I need some help so number one, we got to seek Him. That, that's, that's what follow me is all about. We seek Him. Number two, we serve Him. Our ultimate goal is to show the glory of God. It's all for Him. It is the reason everything exists on this planet, including you. God made it all for His glory. Without God's glory, there would be absolutely nothing. And the Bible says that Jesus became the radiance of God's glory. We can't add to it. We can't take anything away from it. But we are commanded to recognize His glory, to declare His glory, to reflect His glory, and to live for His glory. How? We serve Him during the day. So we get up in the morning, we seek Him, then all throughout the day we serve Him. Wait a minute, Rob, I go to work. You need to serve Jesus by being on time at work. You need to serve Him during the day by not gossiping at work. You need to be serving Jesus and being the example you want people to see Jesus in all that you do. And not just do it here on Wednesday and Sunday and I'm meddling right here and that's okay. Because people need to see Jesus in every one of us. And how are they going to do that? If we give Him everything. Look what it says. You were put on this earth to make a contribution. You weren't created to just get up and breathe and eat Meshes Donuts. You were created for a purpose on this planet, and that is to be a witness to people on the streets, to be at Walmart and not give people the number one sign when they cut you off. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I made you in the mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. God has set each of you. Listen, you can't rely on Wednesday and Sunday to get you through. Your Your main getting with God should be during the week. And tonight and next Sunday should be just a secondary, you know what I'm saying? We cannot be reliers on Pastor Todd on Sunday. We've got to get it each and every day. Listen, he redeemed you for his holy work, a special assignment. You were placed here to help
1: Jesus be an ambassador to people out there. We've got to be, got to be an
0: example, not only in our home and, in, and, and maybe where we live, but in our workplace as well. And that goes without saying here at the church. Many will say, I'm looking for a church that serves me and blesses me. Why not say I'm looking for a place to serve and be a blessing? By the way, my name's Rob and I'm in charge of ushers. My name's Rob and I'm in charge of ushers. If you want to serve in the usher ministry, give me a call. Enough of that. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just, where do we get this serving from? What's the example? Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's our example. Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness and singing in his presence. Listen, you don't have to have an acapella or an acapoco voice or whatever they call that thing. So to start your day, start off with seeking Him, getting in His Word, have that prayer time, get the kids away, get the dog away, get the husband away. And then you start serving Him. Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. You serve with everything that you have. I'm a student. You serve Him at your school. And at the close of the day, you thank Him. Daniel 2.23 says this, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. There is nothing like receiving heartfelt praise from somebody, isn't it? Isn't it cool to get that praise from maybe a coworker, maybe a spouse, maybe a child. Mom, I love you. You're the coolest. God loves it too. Oh, He smiles when we express our adoration to Him and we exalt His name. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we don't have to sacrifice with animals anymore.
1: Instead, we are told to offer God our praise. And at the end of the day, you say, Lord, thank you
0: for my day. In fact, try it tonight. Then tomorrow you start it all over again. Remember, seek, serve, and thank. Say that with me Seek, serve, thank. S S T. It's real simple. You say, Lord, that Rob is kind of crazy, but
1: thank you for my day.
0: Lord, I thank you for maybe my job. I thank you for my teachers at school. I thank you for my spouse. If you have grandkids, you wink at him and say, Lord, thank you that I get to bring them or give them back. Psalm 68, verse three and four, we're going to kind of end it up here. But let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to His name. Sing very, very quiet so that nobody hears. Keep it to yourself. Sing loud praises to Him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in His presence. Listen. Don't worry about singing out of key. Amen. I sing in the key of H and S, HS, Holy Spirit. Because when I raise my voice to God, it sounds like an angelic voice. To you, it may sound like a clanging cymbal, but to God, it
1: is music to His ears.
0: Hey Matthew, if you're willing to take his hand, he promises to unleash in you the awesome power that created the universe and raised Jesus from the tomb. Hey Matthew, he's not going to leave you in your previous condition. Hey Matthew, his gracious invitation is for all. He will move the heavens and the earth for you to prepare you for the greatest adventure of your life. There will be danger. There will be some risk. And there will be some conflict that you will have to encounter. But there will also be the wonder of seeing God work in and through you. Matthew, when you are consumed by him, he will turn your resentment into compassion, your indifference into love, your stinginess will become generous. Worry will give way to peace, hurriedness into patience and spinelessness into courage. Hey, Matt, you're going to hear phrases like, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the door. Hey, Matthew, I want to let you know something.
1: You're going to go from surviving to thriving. So
0: tonight, I want you to picture yourself at that chair
1: in that table. And Jesus walks up very quietly and just says, follow me.
0: It's interesting that two simple words uttered 2000 years ago. It's still
1: impacting people today. If you wouldn't mind, please stand. By the way,
0: Matthew didn't heed my tenacious efforts in the beginning to persuade him not to follow. He got up and followed immediately. Maybe. Just close your eyes for a second. Maybe. You've been a little distant from God. and you want to simply get close to him can I just tell you this follow now maybe you've been running from God follow now Maybe you just haven't had a close one-on-one relationship with God as of late. But you desperately, desperately want to change that. Follow now. Maybe you want more of God in your life and you've been like the three guys that we talked about earlier. You've been after a convenient God, a comfortable God, and maybe a deal-maker kind of God. You've said all along, I'm not ready to commit. I'm not ready to give it all to him. It's just not a good time. Can I tell you tonight to follow now? Maybe you say, Rob, I've never given my life over to Jesus. I've never committed, I've never accepted his salvation. Can I just tell you to follow now? Maybe you've been struggling as of late. Maybe there's just been a circumstance that has literally sidetracked you. It has sidelined you away from the master. Let me see by a show of hands if any of what I've just described fits you. Just raise your hands up high. Come on, let me let me see. There are hands all over the auditorium. You say, Rob, I have been struggling. It has been a literally a. A roadblock in my spiritual life. Maybe you've been spiritually dry. I want you to come down to the altar right now because I want to lay hands on you. If you fit any of those categories, I want to lay hands on you very quickly. I don't need any altar workers. You might be an altar worker and you need hands laid on you. Tonight is your night because God is calling you right now and saying he's leaning over to each one of you and he says, follow me. I applaud each one of you because it is a bold step. Maybe you've been thought of as a castaway or you you haven't felt like you've even fit in and, and, and you've just been distant from God. Well, I just want to lay hands on each one of you. It's going to be very quick. But I believe that God wants to do a miracle in you tonight. Doug, if you could put up Matthew 9, 9 again because we need to read this and we need to get it deep down inside of us, both, both sentences. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And I'm going to just represent you. You're sitting here, and Jesus walks up, and he just looks down, and he just whispers, and he says, follow me. This may be the first time you've ever committed to anything like this. God sees your heart. He understands where you are. Maybe you feel all alone in your spiritual walk. I'm getting in the spirit realm that somebody up here that is, that, that is literally right here, you have been all alone, meaning you have no friends. You have absolutely, because you've been isolated. And it's been a little scary because when Jesus says, follow me, you get the persecution. You get the looks. You get the, 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 the unkind words from your family. Family can be the most demonic people, excuse me. Family can be the most hurtful people out there. You know what I'm saying? They can be very, very brutal. But God, God sent his son up on that cross and they offered him the gall the narcotic to numb his pain you know what he said nah I don't need it I don't want it and so father right now I pray over this congregation I pray father that you would somehow visit them Lord we know that we've got to seek we've got to serve and we've got to thank you Lord, we know it's a, it's a great recipe, Lord. We know there's more to it than that, but Lord, you've given us wisdom tonight. You've given us your word. And Lord, I pray that fruit shall remain because of this word tonight. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the name of Jesus Christ that is above every name. And Father, we counted a joy to be able to get up like Matthew got up. He arose and left immediately. Father, I pray your blessing on each one as we take the challenge even tonight, as we thank him, as we put our head to the pillow thanking him for our day. Father, I speak blessings, I speak blessings, I speak blessings on everyone in this auditorium in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.